You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This is really just a conversation that I'm having with you about some things that have been on my mind lately. I hope you feel like I'm a friend with you on the path of yoga. If you have checked out my book, Get Your Yoga On, I just want to send a special thanks out to you. It's been really awesome to see how well received this book has been. It contains so much of my heart and soul. If you don't have your copy yet, I'd love it for you to check it out. This is a great gift for people that are newer to yoga, or if you want to find out how to truly make the practice accessible, this is a wonderful tool to tap into that. If you wouldn't mind leaving a review, that'd make me even happier. All right, well, that's all the commercials for this episode. Let's get to it. Sometimes I feel like dialogue these days is getting more and more polarized. When I sign online and read the comments of, posts and even when I read the headlines of the news, I feel like it's getting harder and harder for us to talk to each other. It feels like the world is increasingly more us against them. You know, one side is you're for and one side you're against. And it just makes me really sad. You know, I feel like I yearn for a world and I believe in a world where we can disagree with people without hating them, without turning them into the ostracized other. And I find that the online space, unfortunately, is not exactly the most conducive to creating a healthy dialogue and constructive comments. I think everybody listening to this now already knows how much of our life online is driven by algorithms. And these algorithms are manufactured by companies who are designed and interested in keeping our attention. Unfortunately, studies show that uh, negative news travels six or even seven times faster than positive news and fake news travels even faster. So where do we go from there? Well, I want to really encourage everyone who's on the path of yoga to apply the lessons of the yoga path into your everyday life. So first thing is when the algorithm on your social media is kind of encouraging you to engage in knee-jerk reactions and spin further cycles of negativity when you feel, you know, a desire to lash out in the comment thread and reply with snarky gotcha style comments, then the yoga path would have you, you know, would advise you to pause and take a deep breath and kind of reflect on what that's all about for you. It's not to say that you're not going to be triggered ever again just because you're practicing yoga. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not for sure. I feel the urge all the time to defend myself in the comments and reply to this one, reply to that one. But this is exactly what persuasive technology, which is what the algorithms of social media, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever your favorite social media is these days, the algorithm is designed to capture your attention and to draw you in. So rather than post Posting, uh, 
you know, comments and posts that maybe don't generate as much attention. So, you know, a picture of a rainbow or sunrise or something kind of, you know, pleasantly boring, you could say, isn't going to appear at the top of your feed. But those attention-grabbing headlines with potentially triggering words that are designed to irritate you, well, those appear kind of, you know, top of the pile. And each time you react to that and you react to it with negativity, you're fueling the algorithm. You're essentially teaching it to show you more stuff like that. So the more that you click and engage in cycles of negativity and the more polarized and divisive your own comments are, the more that the algorithm thinks, that that's what you like. So it's going to show you more and more of that. Now, where does this all lie? You know, I mean, you can go to the logical conclusion that, you know, big tech is the evil empire of the world and it should be taken down. I'm not here to tell you whether technology is good or bad. There's amazing things that can come from social media. I'm probably connecting with a lot of you because maybe you follow me on Instagram. So I'm not here to say that social media is bad and we should all, you know, go back to being unplugged. I think I think every one of us could really enjoy being unplugged every day for a little bit of time. And if you don't do that, then I really advise like the first hour of your life or not hour, then at least the first 10 minutes of every morning, try to remain unplugged. So technology can be used for good or bad. I don't think that we can trust the the people in positions of power at technology companies right now to be able you know, to create an environment that's conducive to a really well-functioning society. I think that's going to have to fall on, well, on you and me. So what can we do? First of all, understand that everything you see online is algorithmically generated. And this is I think a really important step in gaining consciousness over what you see, what news media you consume, what uh, you know, what you interact with. You can try it out if you haven't figured out how the algorithm works. Uh, just click on a any type of post, you know, click on a post with the dogs or cats, and then suddenly you're going to see a lot more dogs or cats. And if you if you like a dog but you don't click on it, then the algorithm doesn't think that you like dogs, and so you're you're teaching this machine what you like and what you don't like. Unfortunately, there are psychologically you know, a lot of neutral stimuli out there, which are really, really beneficial for the human psyche to interact with. Additionally, you not only want to interact with things that push your buttons, uh, you know, whether for good or bad, but you want to interact with a, a wide diversity of different types of content and different types of people is really what it is. Always remember that there are real people behind what is, you know, what you're interacting with in the online space. So, there are a couple of things I want to kind of dive into here. And the first of which is that in there's a, a, a psychological study done about echo chambers and people that are exposed to their own ideas in what's called an echo chamber. So for example, let's just use something really benign. I love pineapple juice and I love pineapple. So if I'm exposed to more and more people that love pineapples or other pineapple enthusiasts, then we're going to get more and more extreme in our enthusiasm of pineapples. Uh, to some degree, then when we interact with someone who's an apple lover, then we may think that they're morally wrong. And this is documented in psychological studies where people are placed in what's called echo chambers that amplify their own opinions. Then it's shown that they get more and more extreme and more and more divisive. The same thing's true whether it's pineapples, apples, or, you know, unfortunately, whether it's political views, moral views, religious views, views about life. So how do people get to the middle, to the ground of compassion where we can meet? 
studies also show that if we want people to understand one another, we need to be exposed in kind of equal measure in a very personal way to views which are different from ours and to have that be rooted in a very personal, real way. So the pineapple enthusiasts need to hang out a little bit with the apple enthusiasts so that they can meet in the middle and agree that there should be both pineapples and apples in the world and we shouldn't try to annihilate one another. I really yearn for a world where we are in the middle, reaching out towards people who disagree with us without labeling someone who disagree with us, who disagrees with us as, you know, the evil other. And I, I, this type of polarization is amplifying division, is amplifying what you could call, you know, polarity of extremes, where it feels like there's no safe ground to stand on. It increases anxiety and it makes people more hedged in their views. So when the pineapple enthusiasts shame the apple enthusiasts and the apple enthusiasts shame the pineapple enthusiasts, what we're left with is a feeling of dissolution, a feeling where everybody's offended and no one belongs and there's nothing right. And instead, we're just two different different groups hedged into our own corners. And this erodes the fabric of society and it's far away from true compassion. At least that's been my experience. And I, I'm speaking from my personal experience as well as just from the intellectual understanding of these psychological studies that have been done. I've, I've been hedged in my own corner, throwing hate towards, uh, you know, uh, uh, other parties that I've, I've identified as, you know, evildoers in the world and, uh, you know, face the consequences of that for better or worse. So I'm not here to encourage you to drop your heartfelt and passionate views. Instead, I think it's completely the opposite. I think the more passionate we are, the more strong we are in our views, then that gives us a really powerful vantage point to be able to listen to others and share our views, always with the understanding that we're, we're aiming to meet as human being to human being. This is not like a race to who has the most extreme point of view to clobber others and win on some you know argumentative level. Instead, as yogis... We are interested in the process of liberation, and the process of liberation is a spiritual path that liberates all beings, not just one being, and not just yourself. The human mind has what's called negativity bias, and if you haven't heard about negativity bias before, this is a really interesting psychological feature. It's a, you know, biological inheritance of the times when it was really, really important for us to amplify things that were negative. The negativity bias means that if there are 10 positive things and one negative thing, you remember that one negative thing vastly out of proportion. This is a quality of our evolutionary biology that was designed to make sure that we didn't make mistakes of judgment when faced with life-threatening situations. So for example, if you're imagining before the cradle of civilization walking down a path in a forest and there's a shuffling behind a bush, you immediately jump and blow it out of proportion. And even if you're wrong, it's okay because you can make that mistake thousands of times, mistaking non-danger for danger. So in other words, if you think there's a lion hiding behind the bush and you run away, you're still alive. But if you don't run and there is actually a lion behind the bush, then you can only make that mistake once and you've already lost your life. So this is negativity bias. Negativity bias is also not, a, it's kind of like an algorithm, but it's in the hardwiring of our biology. It's the natural human tendency to, you know, not make the mistake that will cause you harm. 
Well, we're no longer living in those times. And now our negativity bias gets directed at other people, at circumstances, which really don't need to be blown that much out of proportion. Recently online, there was a discussion that was being fostered about some, you know, pretty, pretty difficult subjects elevating the voices of marginalized members of community and asking members of the dominant community to do some inner process work, what what we could call shadow work, asking people to look clearly at the negative impacts of implicit bias and covert racism. And, you know, it was pretty triggering for a lot of people. Well, I was really saddened by the divisiveness that was contained within the dialogue. You know, yoga for me is about liberation for all beings. And sometimes the process of spiritual awakening does have to include what's called shadow work. And that means bringing uncomfortable patterns out to the surface so they can be healed. If those uncomfortable patterns are implicit, they're subconscious, you don't know about them. They can't be healed. So sometimes when you bring something up to the surface, it feels like, oh, this is bad. It's bringing my vibration down or something like that, but couldn't be further from the truth. It can sometimes be tempting for members of the dominant group of society to label voices of marginalized communities as divisive, especially when they bring up things that make people feel uncomfortable. But the truth actually is pretty far from that. While it may be uncomfortable, it's not division that is being voiced. The voice that's being shared whenever harm or hurt is being shared is actually a call for healing. And if we could imagine that every being is our friend, that every being is a fellow yogi on the path, then imagine if a good friend of yours told you that something hurt them, even something maybe that you did. Would you brush aside their feelings and say they were being negative or low vibration? No, I don't think you would. I think you'd be compassionate and you'd listen and you might even apologize and say, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings, even though that wasn't my intention. I didn't mean it like that. I'm so sorry. That's how we respond to our friends. Well, all yogis are called to embrace compassion and love and really grow their hearts big enough to embrace not just the light, but the shadow too. I get really saddened when polarization seems to dominate communication. I always somehow hold out the hopes that I'm going to be able to find common ground with everyone, but that's not always the case. When the intention is to hold space for the awakening of all, Sometimes that means drawing attention to the factors at play that are doing harm to some of the more non-dominant members of society. Well, imagine if in the world, rather than immediately commenting with snarky, you know, catch-all kind of comments that are meant to create more polarization and feed negative emotions, imagine if we just paused for a moment when things really bothered us. We tuned into our hearts and reached for wisdom and true compassion. Or imagine if when we really thought that someone was doing wrong, instead of immediately just, you know, lashing out against them, we, we tried to understand where they were coming from or even offered them a prayer of liberation. You know, I feel like the people who do the most harm in the world are the ones who are the most miserable, that we, we spread misery when we are miserable. So even though sometimes I get triggered when I'm around people that, you know, I find annoying, I try to take a step back and even pray for them and wish them the seeds of awakening and wish them to come out of their misery. 
even if I find it hard to, you know, wish that the evildoers of society find true peace and happiness, I can wish for anyone to find the benefits of the spiritual path. Because I know that if people in positions of power were to truly wake up to their highest potential as a human being, then our world would be a better place. If people who push the levers of power were doing the work of yoga every single day, the world would be a better place. So I can wish that for anyone. Recently, when I... When I have been engaged in conversations which have really triggered me, and I definitely have, you know, we've got this big election coming up, so it's pretty easy to find some divisive polarizing comments, whether in person or whether online. I recently had to back away from a conversation because I found myself getting really, really angry at um, one of the men who was speaking, and I just had to back away for a little bit. And at first, I found myself really triggered, and I wanted to make up a whole storm about it, and I could find all these reasons of, you know, why he was wrong and got really kind of irritated at this man's supporters. Well, I backed off for a little bit and did my own process work. And while I really do believe my points were valid, I I ended in a place that felt really good for me. I ended in a place where I truly wished this being to come out of their misery. And I wished all the people who had supported him to wake up from their delusion. And I thought about what a beautiful world that would be. And then that felt better for me. I felt like I could have spent hours or days caught in my own negativity bias about how horrible that interaction went. And instead, I was left with a feeling of true embodied love and compassion. Didn't mean I want to go hang out with this person or that I condoned what he said or did. Far from that. Instead, my recognition of the harm that he did resulted in my desire for him to stop doing that harm. So it's the human-to-human contact that I feel is so important. If our intention is to hold space for the awakening of all, then we have to start by tuning into our own hearts and reaching for wisdom and true compassion. I yearn for and I believe in a world where we don't hate people we disagree with, where we can have constructive dialogue about things that don't feel good. A place where we're all actively committed to embodying the true message of yoga, the inner work of yoga. I want to invite each of you who are listening to sit with whatever discomfort this dialogue brings up for you or the next time you experience discomfort in your life. I invite you to sit with that and, you know, do the inner work that's needed to return to love and to return or even embark on a path of compassionate action that springs from true love. Humanity, it feels like, is going through a massive transition right now, transition in consciousness where we're all being asked to literally elevate our vibration, raise our vibration, raise our consciousness. Consciousness, and this is what yoga is about, you know, raising consciousness. And sometimes, just like all types of growth, we can experience growing pains. And yoga isn't always easy. Sometimes yoga poses are, well, really challenging. And it's the challenge that offers the biggest opportunity for growth. So sometimes raising awareness in the effort to raise vibration can actually lead you to look at some pain points, pain points that you may bring up yourself or may have experienced yourself or pain points that others bring up that you may feel a lot of resistance towards. So sometimes when people are saying that, you know, this has harmed me and I've been treated poorly and you feel like, well, hey, so have I. Rather than a call for us against them, that feeling of, hey, 
I've been treated poorly as well, is actually a call for compassion. We are asked to unify around our hurts, our vulnerabilities. Hey, you've been marginalized. Well, I understand that. I felt marginalized too. So why don't we together work on a way that neither of us can feel left out so that we can truly come together? That's what this work of yoga is really about. Liberation only happens when it happens for all. Liberation for one is not liberation at all. That's a kind of spiritual narcissism that pretty much is the opposite of what yoga is about. So when you hear things that are difficult and challenging, if you're a spiritual practitioner, treat them as a clarion call to show up and do the inner work of spiritual realization. In order to evolve as a human being and in order to evolve as you know a human species, we can't simply brush aside the voices of those who are hurting or the people who are whistleblowers and bring up problems. We can't label their genuine concerns as low vibration. I mean, just think about the environment, you know? There are a lot of people, probably many of you who are listening, who would agree that they were in a little bit of a climate crisis right now. If the scientists who say, hey, wait a minute, the earth is hurting, are just deemed as negative and low vibration, then we'll never hear the truths that they're talking about. Now, you may like the earth a lot, so it's probably easy for you to hear that the earth is suffering and we should do things about the earth. It might be harder when you hear that members of a particular group of society are hurting and need to do something to help them. Now, to ask yourself what that's about, well, that's your work, and I would encourage you to do that. But as yogis, in order to evolve, we really need to be brave enough and strong enough to face difficulty and adversity with a big open heart that can take in the light and the shadow. When we take our teaching off the mat, this yoga practice can teach us to face difficult situations and remain in love. Just as yoga is hard sometimes, you know, those those poses, those asanas that kind of hurt at the beginning, but now are your favorite ones because they offered you the biggest opportunity for growth. Well, difficult life situations, they're kind of just the same. And yoga is teaching you, yoga poses were teaching you how to respond to that difficult life situation with the same grace that you learn from your yoga practice. Consciousness, I believe, is all-inclusive, and it asks us to see what sometimes are painful and disturbing truths. If you already see those truths, then, hey, seeing those is not going to be painful. It's kind of just going to be what is. But if you've never really sat with some status quo changing and challenging assumptions, if you've never really kind of done dug in really, really deeply to your inner work, well, then that's confronting and confrontational and challenging. We're coming to yoga to heal all that. So rather than continuing to just fuel the cycle of algorithmically designed triggers, I want to encourage everyone, everyone, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, no matter whether you're left-leaning or right-leaning or firmly in the center, I want to encourage everyone to hold discomfort in love, your own discomfort, the discomfort of others, to do your own emotional labor and to give people the time and space to go through their own process for their own emotional labor and emotional awakening and spiritual awakening as well. A frequency of unconditional love, truly high vibration, is able to hold discomfort in love. In other words, you can sit and listen while someone else is angry and be able to take that in. You can be brave enough to hold discomfort in your heart. A frequency of unconditional love does not need things to fit in a certain box to embody love. It can be so hard to navigate these spaces of growth at the outer limits of our awareness, but I believe that this is why we all practice yoga. So I want you to know that I'm holding a space for you. 
no matter where you are, and I'm holding a space for myself, for all of us to do the work of awakening. And I want you to find what your voice is. I believe you're a good person. And I believe that goodness will eventually win out over everything else. When we're holding space for ourselves with love, with forgiveness, to give ourselves time and be patient and kind with ourselves, we can learn to give that space to others as well. I also want to say that I really see the goodness in our world, even or at least the potential for goodness to win out, even in these really challenging and polarizing times. I, I believe that so many of us wish not only for our own happiness, but if we could choose, we would really wish for all beings to be happy. And it's because of this, this heart-centered space that is yoga that I'm asking you to grow your heart, your love, your light big enough to embrace the pain of others, to embrace your own pain, and to work for the love of yourself and the love of all beings. I'd like to end this podcast with a short metta practice. Close your eyes. Wherever you are, center yourself at the heart. Maybe take a hand to your heart and just take a few moments feeling the breath move in and the breath move out at the level of the heart. Feel your heartbeat. Feel the body relax as you become heart-centered. No matter what's going on in the world around you, there's always this space within, a sanctuary of the heart where love lives, where light lives within you, where goodness is in residence in every, every cell and every fiber of your being. For a moment here, open to your woundedness, to any past hurt that you may have experienced yourself. And just hold that in your heart space for a moment. Recognize that you can love through this. You can forgive through this. In the channel of the heart, set yourself free through forgiveness. May I forgive myself completely. May I forgive those who have wronged me intentionally or unintentionally. May all those whom I may have wronged intentionally or unintentionally, may they forgive me. I'm ready to connect the pain, the woundedness of my own heart, this achy vulnerability within myself is not a cause for retreat and division, but is a cause for compassion and connection. Expand your heart outward and for a moment recognize that each and every living being has in some way been wounded, is in some way hurting, is in some way alone and suffering. What misery lives in the lives of others? Through your own woundedness, you can connect through an act of compassion. It is our suffering together that unites us. And then by wishing for that suffering, the burden of that suffering to be lifted for yourself, you wish for that burden of suffering to be lifted for others. May I be happy. May all beings be happy. May I be peaceful. May all beings be peaceful.
May I be filled with love. May all beings be filled with love. May all beings be friends. May we find each other, support one another. May we all be filled with love. May wisdom and compassion arise in our world. May we see clearly. None are enemies. May our hearts grow bigger to embrace light and shadow. May we experience wholeness. May all beings, including myself, may all beings live in harmony. Harmony, harmony. Then a nice long deep breath in. As you exhale, open the eyes. May you carry the vibration of real compassion and kindness out into your life today. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Namaste. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS. And that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit which is the true heart of the yoga method thanks so much for tuning in everyone may you be happy may you be peaceful may you be filled with love namaste